0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: Hold on, nobody out. The 2-0 pitch. you're swing a long fly ball in the left field. This is going to leave the park. This is the Countdown to Opening Day show. Balls hit deep to left. This one's going to be
2: out of here. Get up,
3: baby. Get up, get up, get up. Oh, yeah. This one is going to go.
4: Mike Claiborne and Chris Raby and the Countdown to Opening Day show, presented by Amron on the Cardinals Radio Network.
0: Welcome into another edition of Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day. Alongside Mike Claiborne, I'm Chris Raby, coming to you from Jupiter, Florida on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. Full squad workouts began earlier this week. Pitchers and catchers have a week of activity, organized activity under their belts, and Klab's We have baseball on Saturday on the Cardinals radio network. It's a beautiful thing. Finally.
3: I mean, we've been talking about this for some time, and obviously we're going to go through some phases, but Chris, I think we're all ready to see somebody play against another team that doesn't wear the same uniform.
0: You know, I was looking back at some of the schedules of previous years, and as recently as 2015, 2016, games started the 5th, 6th of March. What did we
3: talk about for two or three weeks? You know, that's something that when you to look at the spring training, we've had different dates for sure. This different is one, season start yeah. dates. And uh, this is a short spring training for a lot of people. But the best thing about this year, there's so much competition at a variety of positions, starting rotation, the bullpen. I think the utility infield and the 26 guy, that's going to be a tough decision. And I don't think I've ever seen it this competitive because a lot of the guys who are competing have big league experience. You know, a lot of times you have a young guy that you want to see and whether he can come up and take a job. Well, all these guys we're talking about have big league experience. You know, there have been a number of years
0: recently where you felt like the lineup was to some extent penciled in and you Mm -hmm. felt like you knew who was going to break camp. Maybe there was competition for a spot in the rotation or the back end of the bullpen, but there are multiple jobs I feel like that are open clubs, and a lot of that has to do with i think the spirit of competition that mike schultz and his staff
3: have instilled in this camp for now the second straight year well i think it starts at the top with as you mentioned mike Schultz. i think john mozalak and mike mike uh, gersh have done a good job in amassing players that are competitive with the cardinal way of doing things uh not necessarily uh philosophy but just a fundamentally sound player good character and, uh, yeah, it's stacked, man, and I'm looking forward to it because a good player or two won't make this ball club. Now, does that mean they go to Memphis? Do that, does that mean they trade them? Do that mean they would get released? A lot of different options. Um, so I would just say to everybody, stay tuned because every pitch – and every at going to mean something for everybody on this ball club.
0: We've got a great show coming up for you tonight. We'll visit with two prominent members of that Cardinals lineup, Paul Goldschmidt and Paul DeYoung. Also, Carlos Martinez, a guy who is competing for a variety of roles, will be with us, as will pitching coach Mike Maddox, who will be a part of the decision-making process. Plus, Hall of Famer, one of the best. Peter Gammons will talk some baseball with us, so a lot coming up over the next two hours here on Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day presented by Ameren on the Cardinals Network. Klebs, it seems like to some extent this team, this group of players is almost tailor-made for Mike Schilt and his staff and vice versa. And I say that because of the way this team has embraced fundamentals, has embraced improving defensively, has embraced, as George Kissel would say, a hard 90 and a smart (laughs) 270. They do just about everything right, and it seems like the manager, the staff, and the players all kind of rub off on each other. Yeah,
3: that's a good point you make. And I think because of the success they had, you have two two trains of thought. I already know how to do it. Or I want to be better at it. I think we're fortunate enough to have guys who want to be better at what they did last year. And that's going to be really interesting to see how Mike and the staff get guys to want even more and want to be better. And I think we've seen it in the first few days of, of watching practice and just watching them go through the drills as if they mean it. I mean, you've seen enough uh, drills where guys will walk through and not take it as serious. These guys take these drills as serious as if it's in the bottom of the ninth inning and they have to make a play.
0: Well, the PFP competition today, a perfect example is guys were going all out as guys were really serious about it and serious about the competition, serious about the execution as well. And Mm -hmm. I think that's something that maybe we take for granted because any one of those drills will come into play for all of the guys over the course of this season. you know, There will be comebackers. There will be instances where you need to call a ball. There will be times when you have to get a bunt down. Even a relief pitcher. Hey, how about with the new three-batter minimum rule, we might see a lot more relief pitchers having to handle the bat as we turn over innings than we have in the past.
3: I don't think there's any doubt that it's going to change the dynamic of the approach where... If you have a bat in your hand, you better be able to do something with it. If, if that means moving a runner along, I, I'm not asking for a pitcher to hit a three-run homer, but they take it serious. But going back to your point about the three-batter minimum, it, it basically eliminates the specialist, the left-handed specialist that we used to see. So with so many good left-handed pitchers in camp, it really gives the Cardinals an advantage uh, because these lefties are also used to throwing the right-handed pitcher, right-handed hits. Because normally, if the relief pitcher comes in the ball game, they flip the guy around and they have a right-handed pinch hitter or whatever comes up. And I think it just really puts the Cardinals in a better situation uh, for the for the future. And as you touched on something, they take the drill serious. It only takes one time to mess it up, and that one time could be in a game that really might be on the line for you. And you mess that one up, and I go back to a couple of times. Uh, the year the Cardinals lost to the Cubs in the playoffs, if Jaime Garcia makes a play, maybe the Cubs don't go as far as they did. And I- I've seen that happen where in Detroit, when the Tigers couldn't make plays in the 2006 World Series. Take it serious now because you're going to need to be even more serious in the season. Let's talk about some of the news from camp
0: this week, most notably news that Miles Michaelis will miss three to four weeks, undergoing another PRP injection for that flexor tendon discomfort, the same discomfort that he pitched through the end of last year, and that led to a PRP injection at the end of last season. We don't know how long he'll miss, Klebs, We do know that uh, the start of the season, certainly now in jeopardy for Miles. The Cardinals will need to supplement that rotation. Who knows for how long, but a lot of interesting candidates that will be able to jump into the mix and and show the team why they perhaps deserve a spot every five days.
3: Well, let's start with the Michael's situation. They say three to four weeks. It's kind of what they said about Carlos last year, and you saw how long it took. So I don't – well, I think they want to give you an optimistic expectation. I don't think anybody knows. And this is what the second or third PRP that he's had. Yeah, second since the end of last year. Yeah, and 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 PRPs work differently for some people. I've had them, and I've had three of them, and they've all worked. I've known people who've had them and they didn't work, and we don't know what's going to happen with Michaelis. But with that said, it opens up the door, man. We, you and I were just talking about all the pitching opportunities. You have Gomber, you have Carlos, KK, uh, KK, Gant, Reyes. Exactly. Ponce. You have so many guys. That, it, that can step up and really make a name for themselves. Cabrera. So I, I just think that it bodes well for the Cardinals and they can get a long look at who they really have. I mean, everybody here feels like they can start. And that's good because even if you go to the bullpens, we just talked about with this three batter minimum, you better have a long arm out there because you're going to throw a little bit more than what you've been accustomed to. And being a starter, having that starter mentality should certainly put you in that position.
0: Yeah, and even guys like Ponce, Woodford, Henesis, Cabrera, who could be part of that Memphis shuttle, who could be up and down because of the options. You wonder how that will change things as well and how that will change Mm -hmm. and that rule will change because you know in the past as Mike Schilt said you'd go to a guy and you'd maybe say I've got a batter today or I've got two batters today but you're going to need guys and you're going to have to handle guys differently based on when you can bring them in and in what situations you can bring them in so the pitching and the fact that there's a lot of innings to cover this spring going to be very interesting we know Jack Flaherty will make the Grapefruit League debut on Saturday
3: looking forward to that and I think that's kind of a Statement in itself. I think the way Jack pitched last year, especially the second half, he's earned that opportunity. And as we were talking with Mike Schilt this morning about the fact that it just kind of happens to be him starting in spring training, and I think Rick Hummel alluded to, well, it kind of the calendar sets up where he probably open up on star, open as a starter on opening day, which is highly possible. And I don't think anybody's going to make a big argument about him not doing it. So I'm looking forward to it. Also, Claibs, just a final thought. Is, as we get into games this weekend,
0: by the time we talk next week on this show, we'll have a handful of games under our belts. Is it the outfield competition that you're most excited to watch early? Is it what Lane Thomas, Tyler O'Neill, Dylan Carlson can do with their first handful of at-bats? And to see when they're in games, what kind of pitching they're facing, and what kind of situations
3: they're also playing in defensively. I'm going to throw Justin Williams in that conversation because of a, he's being a left-handed hitter. and we well, don't have What a an lot end of the them. season he had last year, yeah. and he's on the 40-man. But here's where I think you, you touch on something that's really interesting. What kind of pitching are they going to see? So do you run him out there every day early where all he's going to see is fastballs, or are you going to run him out in that second or third round of games where guys are now starting to try and work on stuff? Especially, I would have him face guys in the American League that we're not going to see. Because they're not going to – you know, if you're playing the Mets and you're playing Washington, you're not going to see a lot. And fortunately, everybody in our division is is west of here other than us. So you're going to deal with Miami, you'll deal with the Mets, you'll deal with with, uh, Washington on this side. But I think it's really incumbent on them getting a chance to see legitimate pitchers who know that I'm not going to face this guy – you know, Gibson used to be that way where he wouldn't face National League teams in spring training. he face American League teams because he wasn't going to see them until it was a World Series. So I think if you, Mike Schilt, you want to see what these guys can do under fire against guys who are trying to hone their skill against good hitters. All right, that's Mike Claiborne, Chris Raby with you as well. A ton coming up.
5: Now, back to the Countdown to Opening Day show with Mike Claiborne and Chris Raby on
6: KMOX.
3: We have a chance to visit with Cardinal pitching coach Mike Maddox, who is probably the most interesting man in spring training because you have to come up with a master plan to make sure all these pitchers get enough work and you can evaluate them. How much of a change for this for you as a pitching coach compared to other spring trainings?
5: Well, you know, the amount of pitchers is, we can, we can deal with that. That's not a big issue. It's only a few, few pitchers more than what we've had in the past. The biggest issue is minor league camp is so late, so we don't have those minor league games to utilize their innings. So our innings, are they're tight. So, you know, our priority guys are going to get those, and then we're going to have to create innings uh, on the backfields or live batting practices, uh, inner squad scrimmages, things like that. But everybody's going to throw. We're going to balance it out, and everybody's going to get a chance to compete.
3: You know, it's, it's funny. Even anthills are in grave danger here. Anything that's got a little elevation to it, we're going to see a pitcher standing on top of it.
5: <laughs> we're going to utilize about this entire complex and uh it'll be going simultaneous you know uh, we've only got so many hours in a day but you know, we threw uh 20 guys today or whatever that number was um and we got uh, i think 18 tomorrow so uh we're getting a lot of a lot of guys throwing it's going to be fun
3: how are you able to, and I, i'm sure you count on the other coaches to evaluate guys and making sure a that they're getting their work in but being effective with their pitches because every pitch counts in this training camp that's the one thing we
5: harp on: that <laughs> every pitch does count, and there's focus on every pitch. We're going to throw every pitch with conviction, with an intent. It's not just up there, you know, seeing how many pitches you can throw in five minutes. It's how many quality pitches can I throw in a row, and that's the, the challenge. And we challenge them that way, and it makes everybody uh, work more efficiently. And uh, you practice what you you, you
3: kind of compete with what you how you practice. What are you trying to look for in those first two or three outings as far as bullpens are concerned? Because guys are still trying to get loose. And, and for you, how much has spring training changed when it comes to pitchers getting ready for the season? Because I know when you probably bro- broke in, guys were just throwing heaters. Now guys work on those other pitches as well. So how much has that changed, first of all? I think nowadays guys
5: come in ready to go. You know, there was a time where spring training was to get in shape. I think nowadays guys show up in shape ready to go. That, that's the difference the difference of the past couple decades. And you take nothing for granted. So these guys come in, they're raring to go and they might, uh, some guys might be ahead of other guys. So um, you can't fall in love too soon or out of love too quick, you know.
3: That's that's important because one bullpen doesn't make a career, but it certainly gives you an opportunity to be looked at closer the next time around.
5: Well, I tell you what, we tell the guys, you're not gonna make the team today, but um, you can get some interest. (laughs) You want to be watched, is what you want. That's what all the guys want, and that's what we want to do. I just wish, uh, everybody wishes that we could all be in the same place and all seeing the same thing, but just not possible.
3: For you as a pitching coach, is this the deepest staff you've ever had a chance to work with as far as big league experience? Because you have a number of guys that can crack the rotation. You have a number of guys that can certainly be major contributors coming out of the bullpen, but you only have so many spots. I think our organization you know, needs a pat on the back for that. I think the depth that we
5: have, Um, acquired and uh, developed um, puts us in a good spot we're in a real good spot and having those tough decisions at the end of spring training who are going to be your 13 Mm -hmm. and you got you know 22 guys for those 13 that's when your organization's
3: healthy for you as a pitching coach at this point what do you try and stress most to the, the young pitchers at this point guys who really feel like they're on the cusp of making a ball club what do you try and give them as far as insight from what you see in just them throwing well,
5: first off, you got to guard your effort. You know, you take it easier now so that you're, you're fresh here in a couple of weeks when the games really get going. A lot of times we want to do too much too soon, and then you have a little setback and you're not able to compete when the, when the competition gets heavy. So it's kind of like, you know, let's uh, take one step at a time so that here in two, three weeks you're, you're raring to go and this you, you put up your best fight and you, you hope for the best. And as long as you end up the spring training healthy, you had a good spring.
3: Final question for Cardinal pitching coach, Mike Maddox. Uh, Each year, managers, coaches look forward to seeing somebody come into camp to see how much they've improved from the previous year or what they've heard about them and they want to get eyes on them themselves. What pitcher or pitchers would you put in that category for this year?
5: I look at a guy like Wayno. You know, you just love to see Wayno continue to compete and be the warrior that he is. That filters down. You know, you see the growth that uh, Jack Flaherty's had and um, sustaining what he did in the second half and moving into this year. That's another thing that's exciting. Um, You look at some of our younger guys that you wanna see a Ryan Helsley who came up last year and got everybody's attention. What's his role gonna be? How's he gonna compete? And what did he learn last year that makes him better
3: this year? And the list goes on, the list goes on and on. This is really my final question and that is this. You have a lot of kids who wanna start. Everybody can't start. So the fact that they're long, they're lengthy, and they are able to use their pitches, a variety of pitches compared to being a two-pitch guy out of the bullpen, how much of an advantage is that for them to come in with that mindset of wanting to start but knowing that they end up, might end up in the bullpen but they'll be sharper? I think wanting to start is a great thing. People that have started in the
5: past and you have three or four pitches to draw from, I think that's great. And now with the new rule of having to go through three batter minimum, that's only going to help those guys that have the versatility. So the the two-pitch guys really going to have to compete. We're really going to have to inform them what their weapons are to get both-sided hitters out. But the guys that have been doing it in a starting capacity, they, they might have an edge on that because uh, they're not too worried about matchups that maybe a career bullpen guy would be.
3: How many hole-in-ones did you have in the offseason? I mean, you, you kind of loaded up during the regular season. What did you do in the offseason? Um, got one right after
5: the season. Oh man, get out of here. You gotta be kidding. It was unbelievable. Yeah. Like three in three weeks. But, uh, after that, it was like, I was happy hitting the green. There you go.
3: Nice job, sir. Good talking to you and good luck this
5: year. Thanks, Michael. My pleasure.
0: When we come back, Paul DeYoung joins us. It's Cardinals Countdown to opening day right here on the St. Louis Cardinals radio network. Paul DeYoung, Illinois State Redbird knows a little something about the Missouri Valley Conference. He joins us right now on Cardinals Countdown to opening day to get out there and actually you know see some pitching start to look towards this weekend games will be here before we know it but Mm -hmm. is it nice to kind of check off another one of those boxes
7: yeah absolutely i mean everything in due time and i think uh i really just want to savor every moment this year and not try to get ahead of myself um you know last year i was thinking about the all-star game in april and you know things like that uh, just kind of get me out of my focus level and You know, so now, um, you know, day one, just take it day by day and station by station. And really, I think that's the best way to approach this game is to, um, you know, take it one pitch at a time.
0: How do you learn to do that? I think any of us, if you've got like a vacation you're looking forward to or the holidays coming up, it's easy to look back and say, I remember as a little kid being like, oh my God, Christmas is over and we have to wait another year for that. How do you Mm -hmm. try to teach yourself to enjoy every moment, whether it's time on a flight, time Mm -hmm. at dinner? Sixth inning of a game on a Tuesday batting practice. Mm-hmm. How do you teach yourself to do that?
7: I think it comes with experience um, But definitely just understanding uh, Your own ability and confidence in yourself. I think will allow you to not you know be fretting or worrying about you know All oh, that game tomorrow we got Castillo pitching from the Reds or so-and-so or you know something like that it's just like well where am I at now being where your feet are and trying to make you know days last forever I know it sounds cliche but you know I think that's true mindfulness and presence being here and so that's just gonna be one of my main focuses this year is just really you know not seeing things as good or bad but learning or you know just things like that um, you know just trying to really enjoy every pitch and you know that's it's gonna might be exhausting but you know I think that's uh, the you know the highest level of performance peak performance is that
0: you had a lot of pitches to enjoy last year. You played all but three games. <laughs> Do you know off the top of your head which three games you had the day off?
7: I think there was one in Miami, randomly. Um, yeah, I can't remember, a couple others maybe that I had gotten ready to go in, but the situation, oh, the Arizona game after the after you know, the, the, the innings or 19 was it. And
0: like. right after the All-Star break, yeah. where you were an All-Star.
7: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, those are the three? Oh, you looked it up. Oh, nice. Um, I yeah, mean there's only three. I thought physically I I was fine. Um, you know those three days is about right for what I needed rest wise And you know mentally I think I just wore myself down at times and you know that's just all part of the learning process. That was my first full 162 you know a uh, year before that I got hurt and missed 40 something games a year before that and called up till May so you know it truly was a learning experience last year for me going from start to finish.
0: What's the benefit of playing every day you and Colton up the middle and What's the potential of this team, this infield, defensively, as good as you guys were last year? Do you feel like you're maybe just scratching the surface?
7: Yeah, I mean, um, our potential is to be the best in the in the big leagues. A lot of tandem-wise. gold glove finalists. A lot of gold glove finalists last year. I mean, you know, that was one of our focuses. We really had an intention about how we played defense and our preparation. Um, you know, our scouting reports were great. I think we shifted really well, made plays. I mean, just the, the aptitude that we have to try to get better, I think, is what drives us. And definitely the communication and consistency, too, the way uh, Colton, Goldie, and I really played almost every game all last year, just you know, developing that kind of comfort- comfortability. Are, are you surprised at
0: the way you've been able to adapt not just to playing every day in the big leagues, but at such maybe the most demanding position in the infield? What is that been like and has there been a learning curve at all? Has there been anything like you said earlier, uh, learning to process everything Mm -hmm. that you've had to learn the hard way? Mm -hmm.
7: Definitely I changed my attitude when I became a shortstop again. I just used to be like I gotta go play defense now I go to third base and wait for a ball but now it's just like all right now I'm excited to go take ground balls. I'm excited to practice. I'm excited to make plays in the game. I think just my whole attitude changed about playing shortstop and that kind of drives me to uh, you know just want to be out there and know that when I'm out there we're a better team and and something Jim Edmonds said and he said you know you you guys are better when you're out there like you need to find a way to be able to play that many games and you know I took that to heart last year and really understood what it meant uh, in real time about preparing and, and recovering and so that's been my main focus is you know when I'm not at the field I'm you know making sure I'm recovering so that when I do go to the field again, I'll be ready to play.
0: You see guys like Edmonds and Ozzy still coming out and here because they want to work mm-hmm. with you guys. You know, it's not eye candy. They're not here to give a rah-rah speech and mm-hmm. sign some autographs. To see them putting in the work and to see guys that look like they can and they can mm-hmm. still do it, what does that mean and, and what does that give you guys? You've got a smile on your face right now thinking about
7: it. It's just a dream come true to be able to take ground balls with Ozzie today. I mean, it's just uh you know one-of-a-kind experience and this organization really does value its history and um, we as players current players value that as well and um, I think it's just uh, important about continuity um, you know we talk about passing baton from Chris Carpenter to Adam Wainwright and now Adam Wainwright to Jack Flaherty and Dakota Hudson and so on and, and you know Colton Wong teaching me the ropes coming up as a young big leaguer even though I got called up to play his position way back in 17 but never a competitive type feel where you know we're all trying to bring each other up. So, you know, I think that's what the, the you know the Hall of Famers bring to us is, you know, that extra resource that we can bounce ideas off of, or you know, just the little tweaks here and there. I mean, we're all talented, uh, you know, hardworking players. I mean, there's a reason why we're all here. So, you know, any little bit is is truly game changing from those guys.
0: Or a guy like Chris Carpenter, Mike Schilt said, you know, that I think Ali Marmol had the comment like. When Carp speaks, it always has purpose mm-hmm. to see someone who's achieved everything, you know, the amount of money that he's made, that, that mm-hmm. those guys have made. To still want to be here grinding, sitting mm-hmm. in meetings, being out in the field with you guys, mm-hmm. it's, it's got to be cool.
7: Definitely. And I hope to be that type of uh, influence uh, eventually. Um, you know, I think that's something that I've always wanted to give back and um, share my experience and. Right now, I'm just trying to gain experience, and uh, eventually, uh, you know, I want to give that back. So, and you know, just uh, constantly observing whether it's Carp or Ozzie or Jim Edmonds or, you know, even Willie McGee. He came back, and now he's on our staff. I mean, wh- wh- that guy brings you know so much to, to the table. So, you know, really, it's just a, it comes down to a team effort, and everybody's in. I'm always jealous of the guys that
0: are just like cool without trying to be cool. Mm-hmm. Willie's just cool, man.
7: <laughs> Willie's so humble. I mean, he could be a lot cooler if he wanted to, but he doesn't want that type of clout. I mean, Willie wants to be a fly on the wall and, and work and work and, and he cares about the game and he's great in one on ones and he's got a great sense of humor and a great perspective on things. So Willie's a truly special guy.
0: It couldn't surprise you what Wayno did last year, but to see him go from, admittedly, he said almost being ready to hang it up in July of '18 mm-hmm. to being one of your best guys and mm-hmm. throwing you know, no hitting the Nationals through seven innings in the in the NLCS. Yeah. What does he mean, not just off the field, but on the field, and, and how is he going to help anchor what you guys do this year?
7: Bueno truly cares about this organization and how he plays, and you could see the way he's revolutionized himself, whether he's, you know, he had Tommy John or, he, you know, he has new recovery tools um he learns more about his own body, um, doing a, a DNA test to figure out how to recover better. Like he's doing everything he needs to do to be able to stay on the field and dominate at in his mid thirties. And I think it's just truly special to see what he does and the energy he brings. I mean, he he's still ribbing guys for calling them new owners for parking a little too close <laughs> to the uh, to the clubhouse. I mean, just little things like that. Um, and Wayno truly is a special guy and. Yeah, I'm honored to be his teammate. What's something he doesn't do well? <laughs> something he doesn't do well. I can't even say anything bad about Wayneo, but I'm not sure how good of a cook he is. I'm not sure if he he's the one in the, in the kitchen. I know he owns or is a part owner of a restaurant, but that doesn't necessarily mean he can whip it up back there. So I'd like to challenge him to a cook-off.
0: He could find he, he can, can find garden. barbecue. Oh, he can garden and he can find barbecue in any spot that you're at on the road, right? <laughs> yeah,
7: exactly. But I'll see. Uh, I'll have to see what his signature dish is.
0: Who's one guy you're not trusting to make the dinner reservation? Ooh. You're not letting them pick.
7: Ooh. Um. Probably won't let Kisner pick. <laughs> we'll end up at a, a TGI Fridays for a happy hour instead of, uh, you know, Morton's or something. <laughs> I
0: think Gordon Hayward got killed a couple years ago because. He was on the jazz and they were in New York and he tweeted out that he was eating at TGI at uh, Olive Garden in Times Square. Oh my gosh. I mean,
7: <laughs> unlimited salad and
0: breadsticks, yeah. though, man. Those NBA guys, they don't need to watch their money.
7: I, I do value uh, Bader <laughs> and Flaherty. They 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 make a lot of reservations and it's usually me who doesn't want to make it, but I like to pick the place. So it's almost like a delegation type type uh, situation where. You know, we have we're on the plane talking about where we want to go eat when we get there, and it's like who wants to call, and it's like nose goes or something. You know, like. I I
0: I will say though, I'd come up to your neck of the woods and hit the Brat stop in Kenosha, man. Yeah,
7: yeah, Kenosha is real close um, to where I grew up in Antioch, Illinois. Little Mars
0: I mean, Cheese Castle,
7: maybe. Yep, the Cheese Castle. Uh, love Wisconsin culture. It's truly a, a unique place. <laughs> get some spotted cow. Um, as, as you think about this year and the kind
0: of guys that are in that clubhouse, what what are the goals for you personally but collectively for the team you achieved so much last year personally and for the team how do you start to to think about this year and like you said take it day by day but also appreciate what you guys can accomplish big picture
7: yeah um, me I'd like to be a little more consistent Um, I think that was always a strength and I kinda got away from that last year just now I understand how long the season really felt and it can be grueling at times mentally if you let it and you know this year I just want to be kind of relentless and uh, resilient as far as you know bouncing back day to day or riding the highs or lows you know more staying pretty even keel um, You know, as a team I think you know we fell flat last year in the NLCS and I don't think anybody felt good about how that finished so really it's just about dominating the division like we know we can all year and then you know the playoffs anything can happen I, I saw the way the everything shook out so I think everyone's just super excited to, you know, getting that taste of champagne, we have such a good young core of guys. I mean, to experience that all together in such an early point in our careers, I think that's just a monumental building block for us.
0: And it must have been nice to kind of help put the nail in the coffin of the Cubs at Wrigley, and yeah. to have that four-game series, the biggest four games of the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, happened then for you guys the mm-hmm. way it happened against your rivals that mm-hmm. was that was an incredible couple of days. is that the most fun You've had playing regular season baseball
7: absolutely without a doubt going back-to-back with Yachty will be one of my highlights of my career And hopefully uh, I can top that that would be incredible because if I can top that that would be truly special because that moment um, You know guys were still celebrating Yachty's homer they told me whenever I hit mine so you know just talking about the pure energy of that weekend, uh, something I'll never forget.
0: Last question, to see the Blues last summer when you guys started on your run, what was it like in the city? Just It's such a great sports city anyway, but to have both franchises rolling and to have both franchises rolling again this year, how juice did that get you guys? What was that like?
7: (laughs) Oh, just uh, feeling the buzz, um, you know. Also, just kind of how our season's almost paralleled. Yeah, they finished it off and we fell a little flat, but, you know, they start off slow and you know we had some down uh, parts in our middle so you know the way we kind of overcame i think was was great and you know it's kind of a parallel to life you know st louis um you know working class city i think we we give people hope to you know keep pushing and you know we're out there every day trying to grind and push and win and you know just having that attitude and kind of unifies the city and you know it's great to have a winning city and a winning tradition because it just makes everything more fun
0: When we come back, we'll visit with Daniel Ponce de Leon. That's next. It's Cardinals countdown to opening day. Welcome back in alongside Mike Claiborne. I'm Chris Raby. Let's head outside and join another member of the Cardinals as Mike Claiborne is standing by.
3: It's always good to see Daniel Ponce de Leon at spring training, and he's having a good time, and you're looking good so far. Thank you. I feel good. I'm ready to go. Let's talk about this. This is an interesting season for you. You've had some big league experience now as a starter and as a reliever. You want to come in here and obviously take a job. The competition's going to be stiff this year, but how much did you take away from last year to make you better for this season? Um, I just was able to look
8: at all the stuff that I lacked in and able to really look over at this offseason and uh, fix those. So hopefully all the stuff that I was lacking in, I'm now better in and the stuff that I was good in, I kept. Was it more mechanical? Definitely mechanical. Uh, I was pretty much linear to home plate in my delivery. And then uh, this year I worked back into being more, I don't know what direction to call that, but better. This way. Yeah, <laughs> this way.
3: For you, what pitches do you feel that you're strong with and a pitch you'd like to use a little bit more? Because I know a lot of guys at third and fourth pitch in their repertoire, they don't throw it because maybe they don't have as much confidence. But what about you?
8: Fastball is definitely one that I'm very confident in at all times. Um, the curveball was looking really good this offseason until about two days ago. So <laughs> hopefully it was just a two-day lack right there. Um, and then if I could get like one of the changeup or cutter rolling, then I think I'll be set because I don't have three good deliveries to throw at home
3: plate. Everybody wants to start in this rotation. I know you want to start. You've shown the ability to do that. Um, How are you approaching this year as a starter? Obviously, you lengthen yourself in the offseason?
8: Yeah, approach it the same every year. Get ready to build up, start, and then um, you know if I need to dial back, that's easier to do than build back up in the starting role.
3: What are some of the other things you want to work on in the spring? Because you know we look at how many pitchers we have here with guys with big league experience every pitch off of any mound we have here is going to be important. So what are the things you want to work on? I want to work on my teammates, work on
8: relationships and building up each other a little more, speaking some life into each other. Not that we don't already, but I think that if we could even build up even more right now and build some confidence in our team and have a little more camaraderie, then we'll be ready to go this year
3: It's interesting you bring that up a guy who's been around just a little bit but it is important to make sure that staff is all united and watching bullpens and helping each other out and how how important is that as well being off the field
8: it's it's one of the most important things i believe is having a good clubhouse uh you watch you watch the nationals who won it they were the underdogs last year supposedly but you see them out there and they were having fun laughing they, you know they got the baby shark and everything rolling so it was a fun team to watch out there.
3: What kind of fun do you like to have? I like to win. That <laughs> starts with that, right? Yeah. For you, when you look at this year, um, it's a, it's a, it's a, I wouldn't say make or break, but you, you're at a point now where you know you can pitch in this game. So what's your approach going into this whole season? Because obviously you want to start. You want to be on the team. But ha- what did you change in the offseason? You just mentioned the fact you wanted to have better camaraderie. What are some of the other things? Um,
8: I wanted more consistency. For for me personally, all it is is consistency, you know. I could go out there and go seven, but then I can't go out there the next game and go 3.1 with four walks and two hits, you know. I just got to throw strikes, and if I could do that, I think I could do pretty much anything else, you know.
3: Well, when you figure that out, let me know, because a lot of guys have been trying to do that throughout their careers, but I think you're going to be the guy that's going to have fun this year.
8: Oh, yeah. I searched and dug deep this offseason, and I spent the money, but it's all invested in myself, and hopefully it pays off here. I'm looking forward
3: to it. Thanks for your time, sir, and good luck this year. Thank you.
1: One on, nobody out. The 2 pitch. Here you're swinging a long fly ball into left field. This is going to leave the park. This is the Countdown to Opening Day show. Balls hit deep to left.
3: This one's going to be out of here. Get up, baby. Get up. Get up. Get up. Oh, yeah. This one is going to go. Oh, my. He got all of that one.
4: Now, Mike Claiborne and Chris Raby and the Countdown to Opening Day show.
0: Hour two underway on Cardinals countdown to opening day. Alongside Mike Claiborne, I'm Chris Raby. We'll get back to Claibs in just a moment. Cardinals single game tickets are on sale now and start at just $5. The upcoming season is filled with great matchups, including two Cubs weekends, a rare weekend series with the New York Yankees, and more. Get yours at cardinals.com.
3: Mike Claiborne is standing by to lead off hour two. It's always good to have a chance to visit with the Hall of Famer, Peter Gammons, who's here in spring training. It's nice to see you again,
1: sir. Well, it's always great to be here. I mean, uh, I love this ballpark. Cardinals have been terrific for a long, long time. It's a really interesting team to me, so um, it's fun to be here.
3: Let's talk about the national story. Everyone's talking about the Houston Astros, the apology, and all the things that have gone on. I am of the belief that there's a lot more to this story than what we know, and maybe over the course of time we'll get the full truth.
1: I completely agree with you. I mean, they coming out of the Astros. There's a lot of dog ate my homework, and uh, I I don't think uh, I think Rob Manfred thought he knew. I think he there's a lot that he doesn't know, um, and uh, so it'll be interesting. I think he'll he'll act. I mean. The one thing that I think is good coming out of this, there's so much stuff. Um, it wasn't only the 1951 Giant. I mean, there are things that guys who played in the 30s, Hank Greenberg claimed, wrote in his book that the, that the Tigers had a guy giving, and uh, that's how they won the penalty by a game in 1940. And he and Rudy York each had OPSs of 1,500. In September, when they were getting the signs, so uh, and he's one of the most honorable people that ever play the sport. So, but I think the fact that so many players have spoken out about this is going to end. When Manfred turns to the to the Players Association, Players Association has to represent the will of the majority of players, and the majority of players clearly want this cleaned up. So, basically, the job of Tony Clark and the Players Association is to work with Rob and the Commissioner's Office to figure out how to do this. Did they make terrible mistake When when they went to this whole challenge system, they should have figured out that this sort of thing was going to happen. I, I'll never understand why they didn't do what the NHL does, which is just have the, the replay official in the press box.
3: I think with what we've seen, this is going to be the start of maybe some real rules changes with respect to that. Uh, so with that said, with the CBA up after next year, can baseball afford to wait that long or will they have no, I to implement it?
1: they'll start right away. I mean, they'll have to go to the Players Association. But my feeling is if the Players Association really balks at, um, for instance, not having a laptop, not being able to go up into the video rooms, that kind of thing, I think there's a way the commissioner can just override. I think. If, I think the union would be... In a negotiation in which they're starting, this is not 1994 anymore. Players and the agents are going to be really tough to hold together. I think some of the the, the dialogue coming from the association is based on norms that were before but before many of these changes. I mean, average player wasn't making $4.5 million. And, and uh, are there... Areas to complain about, yes, but I think in this case, everybody but maybe a few people, uh, the Astros players who are in on this, uh, helped design the plan, things like that. I mean, um, plus, they can't risk it because, guys, anybody who rigs this up is going to be done, period. I mean, I, I know one thing, Jeff Lunau will never see another day in the front office in his life. When you think about what we're learning, it seems like on
3: a daily basis, do you think the commissioner would maybe reopen this whole investigation and maybe hand down a more severe punishment, or do you think his hands are tied by already committing to what he's already done?
1: No, I think he's going to stick with what he has. I think it, it it's a good warning shot. I felt that, I mean, I question, you're putting a lot on the players, but he said, hey, The only way we're going to get the players to talk is to give them immunity. Now, did they all tell the truth? Probably not, but um, if they're found to have not told the truth, it'll be interesting to see what happens down the line.
3: Hall of Fame writer Peter Gammons is with us as we talk about what's going on with respect to the scandal of the Houston Astros. So where do we go from here? Because there's a lot of talk about players who are upset, and I know while uh, the Astros want to just move on from it. Do you really think that's going to happen this season? Because, But the other thing is this. I'm hearing a lot of talk from guys who aren't going to face the Astros this year as well. So do you think we'll start to see retaliation once the season gets underway?
1: I don't think we're going to see guys thrown at. I, I, I think Dusty Baker was brilliant in bringing it up really? oh, that's even before spring training opened. And then yesterday, Rob Manfred, all the Florida managers were mandated to be at that meeting last night, and they were told, "Don't you dare have your pitchers let your pitchers throw at anybody." So, I, that was a good idea, but I think that um, there's a target on the back of a lot of Astros players. It's going to be interesting to see how they hold up with that. I think that that's that's going to be difficult. Plus. They're going to be asked about it almost every day all season. It's going to drive some of them crazy. And that's a lot of pressure to have to to um, overcome. I mean, Oakland beat them six out of eight down the stretch last year. Oakland's got a really good team if their pitching holds up. I mean, there's no pressure on them. There's a lot of pressure on the Astros. It will be very interesting to see how that race unfolds. They're lucky that Seattle, Texas, um, they're still they're still building. And the Angels, I think, are still long. Their pitching is not very good. Give me a team that
3: you're looking at this year that may surprise some people. Um,
1: I think the Mets are going to surprise people. I think that <clears throat> having Syndergaard healthy, I think Diaz will come back. He's really good. He just had a terrible year. Uh, I think they're going to be very good. Um, and I think they're going to be surprising. Um, I, I don't think you can say Oakland surprising because they've won ninety six games two years in a row. But um, I do think that um, Toronto is going to be a lot better. In um, the National League Central, I mean, I'm not the two teams that did a lot: Cincinnati and the White Sox. I think they're both better. I'm not sure how much better. They're still dangerous. I think the Cardinals pitching is going to be, the, if not as good as the Dodgers, I think they'll be right there in the top two or three. They've got so much depth and so many really good arms. And, you know, Flaherty's right in that 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 in that little circle with Scherzer and, uh, and Strasburg. He's one of the three best pitchers in the league. And um, I love the, the, the uh, forecast on, on the pitching. And I, I a friend of mine who works for the Dodgers, um, told me they were stunned when Kim signed right away. Dodgers were preparing to offer him twice as much as what he took for the Cardinals. And the agent never got back to them. So, I mean, he believes, as all the Dodgers do, that he could be one of the most dominant closers in the game. So that's just another guy. You've got like three, four guys. I think Andrew Miller will come back knee knee better um. Yeah, I just, I, I really, lo- I think the Cardinals. They, to me, they kind of snuck in last year. I think they'll be the, the favorite in
3: that division. You know, one of the concerns though is the fact, offensively, they don't have a middle of the order hitter yet, and they're going to try and find one within the organization. If that doesn't work, where
1: would they look? There'll be a few guys out there on the trading market. I mean. Um, I think it's gonna be really hard dealing with Colorado you always look there the guy's a great player um, but there'll be bats around that you can get um, I mean Jack Peterson can be had for almost nothing but I'm not sure he's a 3-4 type of hitter but um, there'll be somebody out there that, that they can go get and with all their pitching depth going all the way down to double-a Cardinals have a lot to trade. A few rules changes for
3: this year. What do you think? What rule do you think will have the most impact on the game? Was that going to take some time for everybody to get used to it?
1: I think that, that, that it'll take time to see, like the three batter minimum. But more important, saying that if you're a two-way player, um, and not like Otani or somebody like that already, you know, listed as a two-way player. Um, if you're down by um, 10 runs, you can bring a position player in now. Let's say you're down 10 nothing in the seventh inning. So you bring a, a fourth outfielder in to pitch the eighth and ninth to save your bullpen's arms. Um, what happens if you go and score five runs in the top of the eighth? And then now you got to take the position player out and put another pitcher in when he might have already pitched the day before, I think there are, there are some issues that they worry about. I know, I've had two or three managers say they think that that's going to require a feeling out period.
3: Final question for Peter Grammons, Hall of Fame writer. Um, th- this is going to be an interesting year. Before we go into the final year of the collective bargaining agreement, what do you think the biggest issues will be that the players will have in store, and
1: what do you think the owners will want to negotiate about? I think the players just want are going to want changes in the levels of the um, luxury tax. The thing that's sort of silly is that players' association agreed to that. I mean, there's one player rep said to me, we got a nice deal with Whole Foods and the owner's got a luxury tax. I mean, a, a salary cap. And that's going to be a tough give back. They'll get it but at, at some cost. I think the owners just want uh, uh, more control over being able to send players out and things like that. They may also want to uh, change some of the rules to do with the draft and, and so forth and, and try to create a, a situation where there's more revenue sharing and probably try to give some money to the Miamis and the Tampas and, and Cleveland's and teams like that. It'll be an interesting negotiation.
3: Peter Gammons, as always, it's a real honor to visit with you. Thank you for your time. Enjoy spring training, and hopefully we see you in postseason somewhere.
1: I hope so. St. Louis is a really good place to be in the postseason, by the way. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you to Peter Carlos
0: Martinez joins us next on Cardinals Countdown 2 opening day.
3: Carlos Martinez is our guest, and first of all, uh, you look good. You obviously feel good, and you're ready for spring training.
6: I mean, uh, I'm feel good. I'm feel great. So uh, i I'm, I was waiting for this uh, this day because uh, uh, this all season I was working hard, you know, on my body, on my mind, and and on my shoulder, you know. So I was waiting for this uh, this time because uh, I'm feel ready.
3: What all did you do in the off season? I know you wanted to work on your shoulder and get it stronger. What were some of the things you tried to do?
6: Uh, yeah, getting strong and and, and uh, lose a little bit pound because uh, last year I, I I I don't feel like very good with my body, but right now I feel I'm I'm shape, you know, and uh, and strong too. You're trying to catch up with me on that weight loss, huh? Yeah, man. <laughs> I, I saw you last year, and I say I wanna be like that. Man. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
3: for you, I know you wanna start. But what did you learn about yourself when you were in the bullpen last year? Because that was different for you, uh, to be able to come in a game when it was on the line compared to starting a game.
6: So uh, the only thing I say is uh, always uh, to be ready, you know, always uh, to be uh, um, on on competition, you know, so. And I think uh, last year hurt me a lot because... uh, That make me focus more and uh, make me uh, getting ready and respect the game during the game. You know, so um, this year I got a new mentality, a clean mind, and and in 18 I can be on the five-star rotation again and help the team.
3: And you didn't lose any of those pitches out in the bullpen. I mean, you, what, you throw five for strikes is, at least. So, and you showed a few of those pitches in the bullpen. It's going to be fun if you when you get back into the rotation to be able to use all those pitches. So teams can't really game plan for you, knowing that this guy can throw five for strikes.
6: Yeah, when I was in the bullpen last year, so um, I was uh, um, trying to 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 help me to help myself with with all my pitches, you know. Um, when I when I came from the bullpen, I threw all my pitches. You know, I don't I don't care about if I am the bullpen or I need some pitch to to getting out somebody. But um, this year, so that helped me a lot because this year I feel, comfort, I feel so, uh, so comfortable and uh, and I think I don't lose uh, any pitches.
3: For you, uh, you work on that offense at all? I know you like to swing the bat. Old shortstop.
6: Yeah, man, I was uh, this whole season. I was uh, um, working hard on my bat, you know, my swing, and, and 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 I think I can I can hit some base.
3: You have to be able to swing the bat a little bit if you're going to be a starter. Whether they need you to bunt or maybe they need you to move a runner along, and if you can't swing the bat, you're not helping yourself.
6: Yeah, I be ready for for everything, you know. So if they need me some bunt or, or like. Some hits, some double, or maybe trying to uh, to hit a homer. So yeah, so I think I think I, I can be ready because uh, I was working how my swing, what I say, and and, and I'll let you know. <laughs>
3: You're excited about this year. It looks like you want to have some fun.
6: Yeah, I'm so excited because uh, I'm getting strong and and I'm check, you know. So I, I can I can compete. Have fun. All right, thank you. Let's welcome Paul
0: Goldschmidt into the program as the Cardinals' all-star first baseman joins us on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. What's it like to actually get in the box and and see some live pitching, Paul? And before we know it, there will (coughs) be games. You'll see some guys in in different uniforms, but nice to, I guess, get to another checkpoint of of spring training.
4: Yeah, it's good to get out there for the first day and uh, start progressing and, uh, like you said, move towards spring training and then to opening day and, and the long season. Do you like having games
0: start quickly. I was looking back a couple years ago. It was like March 5th, March 6th. Games started. Do you like starting earlier or is it just byproduct of the schedule and you don't worry about it? You go where you're supposed to go.
4: I'll go where I go, but I mean, yeah, it's nice to have um, a couple less practice days and just get after. I mean, that's what we're here to do is play games and there's plenty of time to uh, do the other stuff too.
0: What was the best part of the off offseason?
4: Uh, just relax and spend time with family.
0: Yeah, it's nice to have a shorter, off season, how do you use the success of last year? But also, you know, every team in baseball except for one is is disappointed at the end of the postseason, right? So, uh, how do you balance the excitement and, and the taste of getting back to the postseason, having a couple of celebrations, but also knowing that you guys have bigger goals?
4: Yeah, there's a lot of learning that you know happened last year. We can build off of that, but also realize you have to start back from square one. We got to earn every win, and um, every team starts back at a zero zero record and. Uh, we'll go out there where we're motivated and uh, you know we came up short of our goal and you know learn from last year and do everything we can to get better and try to you know win the world series this year
0: what have you learned about the organization over the past 12 months from walking in last year after the trade to the extension to the run you guys made uh, what have you learned about the cardinals and about the guys in that clubhouse
4: yeah, everything's been great it's been first class This organizations committed to winning but you know it's a, a lot of what i already knew and heard the guys in there are awesome they they work hard they welcome to me quickly and uh, very focused and motivated to win
0: how much of your decision last year uh, in spring that you wanted to be a part of this organization long term was uh, about the guys and about how close you thought this team was and, and is to winning
4: oh a big part i was honored to be part of the cardinals organization and um, you know it's not just the guys in that locker room but this whole organization and um, the fact that they wanted me to stay here was a, a huge compliment and you know, I'm excited to be here, and there's there's no place else I'd rather be. How
0: about the staff? Give me something you've learned over the last 12 months about Mike Schilt. Playing for him, what kind of a manager he is, and, and what kind of a man he is.
4: Hey, he's a great communicator. He's very organized. He knows what he wants to do. He knows how he wants us to play. And um, if it's not up to the right standard, he's not scared to say something. But he's also, you know, very consistent. And he's the same guy. He's not just because we're winning gonna you know take it easier because we're losing. Try to change something up. You know, he's all about you know, trying to perform and get us to the place we need to be to to win the World Series.
0: We hear that word a lot as it relates to my communication. And fans, you know, they see you guys out on the field not realizing maybe how much time all of you spend together from the beginning of February until hopefully the start of November. So, why is communication so important and something that can be easier said than done over the course of a long season, I imagine?
4: As you know, every relationship you have, whether it's with family or friends or anyone, it all starts with communication. So um, sometimes there's a lot of unknowns, you know, between the players and the staff. So when you have someone who can communicate, that can, you know, help players relax and, and play better, or you know, sometimes communicate can be, you know, teaching or getting on someone and just making sure we're all aligned. And I think that's where it is when you can communicate the right way, like Shilty does. You know, gets everyone on the same page and. Um, When you got everyone pulling in the same direction, you know, it's a lot more powerful than than guys just going off on their own.
0: It's between teammates, too, right? Like, you noticed a moment today where Adam Wainwright saw Cody Whitley doing something, and he said, hey, during live BP, when you're throwing a breaking ball, you're setting, what, it was a couple of inches higher than when you're throwing uh, a fastball. And he stopped, he talked with him, they spoke afterwards. Uh, Stuff like that between teammates, uh, veterans to younger guys. Why is that important? And... Um how, how can that help everyone Paul when people are willing to give that kind of feedback cuz you're not going to get that you know when someone's in another uniform
4: across from you Yeah I mean that's how you get better that's how you learn we're all here for each other all pulling in the same direction um, trying to get this organization where we want to be and you know that's winning the World Series and it's going to take you know a large group of people so um, that standard's been set by the players who've been here like Waino and Yadi and Carp and the coaching staff and front office and you know, for all those of us that are still uh, coming in, you know, you just follow in their footsteps, and it's, it's pretty easy to do.
0: So who are some of the guys that helped you uh, acclimate in that sense as a young player? And was there something that sticks out, not necessarily during live BP, but something that you had to learn maybe the hard way or, or a bit of a baptism by fire?
4: When I first got to the big leagues? Yeah. Yeah, everything. <laughs> I mean, I was very fortunate um, I had guys like Willie Bloomquist, and Lyle Overbay, and Xavier Nady, and Jeff Blum, all these veteran guys um, when I was a rookie, and I'd go to them with questions every day. I took ground balls with a lot of those guys every day, and, you know, so they were able to, you know, speed up that learning curve for me where I felt like I was, um, you know, a lot farther ahead than if I had just been out there getting experience and kind of learning from my failures. I still had to do that, but they were there to kind of speed up that process for me, and, um, i mean forever grateful for them without them i wouldn't have had half the success i've had in my career and you know now i'm always on the lookout for ways that i can help you know current teammates or even if there's guys in camp or in the minor leagues i mean it's just uh those guys set the example for me and it's you know similar to what guys are doing over here too
0: even little stuff like knowing you know where to park or when to eat or <laughs> when to be somewhere stuff like that that isn't necessarily written out for you you've got to kind of figure it out and if you're a young guy you want to figure it out quick right
4: yeah of course i mean i was just very watchful i sometimes it guys don't have to say anything but you just do what they do and so i think that's something i tried to do just sit back i didn't really talk that much and just watch guys in the batting cage watch how guys took ground balls and you know, watch how they were in the clubhouse or stuff like that and just kind of learned and, and until uh I figured it out. Is there a common
0: thread to organizations that are able to and and I can only obviously speak to what I observe about the Cardinals, but are able to bring young guys up and integrate them in the heart of a pennant race where they're contributing on the field, they're fitting in it seems mm-hmm. off the field in the clubhouse. Is there a common recipe to mixing that up and, and having it come out right?
4: I think there's probably two parts. One, you got to develop them in the minor leagues. You got to talk about it. You got to prepare guys the right way. You got to have that synergy between the big leagues and minor leagues. So, it's not that different. I mean, I came actually came up in the middle of a playoff race, and that was a big thing. The Dimebacks talked about was, hey, when you get to the big leagues, you better be able to play. You better know how to base run and you know do all the things that you need to do. Um, it was something we talked about a lot. I would assume the Cardinals do the same way. And then secondly, you got to have the guys on the big league roster, whether it's players and coaches that are welcoming the young guys in knowing it's a team effort and you know have guys that you can go to and you know it seems like this organization has both of that
0: so maybe the attention to detail off the field and doing things the right way translates to attention to detail on the field
4: it's both of those it all works together you know the game's still the same but there's obviously some differences and just you know understanding that you're going to need these guys and preparing guys to play and have success in the big leagues
0: I wonder if there's something to the staff element of that too, because obviously you've just been a part of the organization for a year now. But guys like Mike Schilt and Ali Marmol, um, Pop Warner, Stubby Club, these guys were almost developed like players, and you wonder if that happens and if not, why that doesn't happen in other organizations. Again, I can't speak to that, but there's got to be a benefit to the cohesiveness of the staff coming up like a player, right?
4: Yeah, of course. I mean, when you're hearing the same thing that you heard in A ball and you're hearing the big leagues, and that's you know, when I was talking about that synergy. You know what? is being taught at the lower levels. That's when a lot more of that teaching and learning is happening. And, you know, um, it falls on minor league coaches to teach the players and make sure they remember it and they get it because as they move up in the system, the big league coaches don't have time. By the time you get to big leagues, you got to go out there and perform. And so, you know, having that same message top to bottom, having the whole organization on the same page, that's a big deal.
0: All right, last few things for you. First, to see guys like Ozzy Smith um, Jim Edmonds, guys that aren't necessarily part of the everyday staff, Chris Carpenter, but are around, are in uniform and are here to work, not just, you know, be around for photos and autographs or whatever. What does that mean to you as a player? And what have you learned over the last year about the connection between the former players and the organization?
4: Yeah, it's great. I mean, there's so much tradition and winning tradition here that whenever the guys come back, like the guys you mentioned too, they're actually on the field teaching us and just, you know, another person that I can, uh, watch how they go about their business and pick their brain and, and find a way to improve and get better.
0: Was it fun to be a part of uh, last summer in St. Louis for the Blues to win and have their parade and then for you guys to go on the run that you did, win the division, get to the NLCS? What was it like to integrate into the community while sports were such a big thing and, and while both organizations were rolling like they were?
4: Yeah, it was great. That was just really cool to see the city rally around the, the Blues and for all them, you know, them to come through and win. And, such a dramatic fashion in Game Seven. Uh, it was awesome to, to see that, and you know, we were trying to repeat what they did, and you know came up a little short. But hopefully this year will be different. So, with that being said,
0: finally, what are uh, the goals, and, and how do you start to process uh, this season, the expectations you have for yourself, and and for this team?
4: I mean, I think obviously you can look towards the end. I mean, we talk about winning the World Series, but it really just comes down to each day, just. Preparing to the best of your ability and playing as hard as you can and, and getting better each day Just controlling the things you can control so rather than looking too far in the future Just try to you know do my best every day get better learn and uh, you know if you do that every day by the end of the year You know something special can happen
0: Hello to Megan Eberhardt, the Director of Promotions and Events for the Cardinals. Megan, how are you? I'm great, thank you. Thank you for joining us. And I know that uh, as tickets are on sale, single-game tickets and packs and folks are picking out the games that they want to get to Busch Stadium for. They're also taking a look at the promotion schedule at cardinals.com promotions. You guys have another great, great lineup of promotional giveaways this season. First, tell me, what's it like to figure out what you guys are going to give away when you're going to give them away and, and what fans are, are hoping to get at Bush stadium this season.
2: Oh man, that's the fun part. So we start strategizing about six months before we announce the giveaway schedule. And we sit down and we get a lot of feedback from fans throughout the year of items that they like items that they want to see more of, or just an idea of a giveaway that they may have dreamt up in their minds. And so they typically send them our way and we, Go through a list, and every year our list gets longer and longer of wonderful items that we would love to throw in our giveaway schedule. But we have to cut it down to about 45 to 50 each year. That is honestly the hardest part for me because I love all of these items. But whenever we do make that list, we sit down with our ticket sales department and just a bunch of various departments here in the building to come up with a great strategy on our promotional calendar.
0: You can go to slash promotions to see all of the giveaway is also the theme ticket events and let's start with some of the most popular fair to say that the bobbleheads, jerseys, rings, those are three of the, if not the three, fan favorites, Megan?
2: Those definitely are, and we have some great ones for 2020. So for our jersey giveaways, we are doing a throwback 1944 jersey. We have a red embroidered jersey that's kind of inspired by the jerseys that they are wearing down in spring training right now. Uh, And then we are also offering Goldschmidt jerseys for adults one day, and then a different date will be for the kids.
0: It's so cool because the quality is so incredible in all of these items, especially the jerseys. You mentioned the embroidered jerseys. You guys take so much care into making sure that these are really, really quality items that fans going to be excited and proud to wear, don't you?
2: And that's just that we want them to keep them and to wear them for numerous years. So we want this to be a memory maker for our fans. So we want the quality to really be there so that whenever they go to their closet and grab the jersey, they remember who they came with to that game, and they're excited to wear it for a future game.
0: Cardinals.com slash promotions. A couple of weekend dates in May is when you can get the kids' Goldschmidt jersey and also the red embroidered spring training style jersey again cardinals.com slash promotions the rings have become so popular too Megan and I guess (laughs) that we're lucky to have an organization that has done so much winning you guys have plenty of rings and plenty of different eras to celebrate
2: that is true so on Friday May 8th is the 1985 National League Championship ring and this is one of our unique ideas where we have the mystery players in the ring design so it will feature a player's name and number and you don't know which one you get until you come through the
0: gate it's also boy band night don't bury the lead
2: <laughs> it's a different topic
0: <laughs> it is the 85 mystery player national league champions ring i love some of the mystery items because again everyone has such a connection megan to different teams and different players that it kind of helps bring back some of those great memories that folks have. And I'm sure for a lot of people, some of the reasons that they fell in love with baseball and fell in love with the Cardinals.
2: Yeah, I agree. We also love the mystery element because if you come to the game with four of your best friends, you all want to go home with something a little bit different than the person that you came to the game with. So it creates that element of just getting a little bit different items out there. We are doing that again this year with the Yachty tumblers. Last year, we had two different designs. And again, this year, we'll have a white and a red.
0: Cardinals.com slash promotions. Yeah, I know how popular that is. I also know how popular the Funkos were last year, even if I don't understand what that is. So give (laughs) folks an idea of of that uh, promotion, because I know those are those are taking over. People go crazy for those.
2: Yes, people are really into collecting Funko Pops. And this year, <laughs> last year we did the Yadier Molina. And this year we are doing an Ozzy Smith Bush Stadium exclusive. The fans will definitely want to get tickets to that game.
0: There are some great, great wearables that you guys have as well. And I already have my eye on the vest on Friday, April did. 24th. How <laughs> about this? This is fantastic. The adult puffy vest this looks like something that you'd get in like a high-end camping store
2: definitely that was what it was inspired by we mentioned how we come up with some of the items by listening to the fans but we also study retail trends and so what we see our fans wearing to the ballpark or even out of season what they're wearing to winter warm-up we want to incorporate that into our giveaways and that's where we came up with the puffy vest so that's going to be great for those early months or maybe later months in the season that roll into October.
0: Yeah, go to cardinals.com slash promotions for all of the details. So many great promotional dates. Get your single game tickets right now. And how about the theme nights, Megan? Because I know that you guys just added 14 more a couple of days ago. (laughs) This is a list that is ever evolving. So give us just an idea of what inspires some of these theme nights and a couple of theme nights that you're excited for, whether they be new or returning favorites for 2020.
2: Yeah, so with our theme nights, it's different than our promotional giveaways at the gates. Theme nights require a special ticket, so you have to go online at carnals.com/theme to purchase that ticket, and with that comes a voucher to receive an exclusive co-branded item um, that is related to a brand affinity. So we have music theme nights back again, like Margaritaville and Grateful Dead. Those items are jerseys, and they're so cool. You have to check them out. The Margaritaville has um, two parrots on the bat. So it's normal, our normal jersey, but it has parrots instead of cardinals, and um, it has a beach scene behind it. And then the Grateful Dead jersey is, of course, tie-dye. Um, our universities are back with a hat, so that's Flew, Illinois, Mizzou. Uh, Bud Bash is back with bobbleheads. We had a lot of buzz earlier this week when we announced this because David Freeze is coming back. He will be one of our Bud Bash guys. Star Wars is back. It's a R2-D2-inspired pullover. New, like you said, we mentioned new ones. John Daly. Who's excited for John Daly? He will be (laughs) here, and we have a VIP portion for that as well. So fans can purchase a VIP ticket to meet John Daly and get a bobblehead of him. Sesame Street is new and friends. But I'm most that excited for Boy Band. Awesome. <laughs> we talked about that yeah, earlier. See? That's a big weekend. Band. It is.
0: Go to Cardinals.com slash promotions, check out all of the dates for the promotions, for the theme nights as well, and Keep checking the website because uh, constantly adding more dates. Megan Eberhardt, the director of promotions and events. Megan, thank you so much. I know you guys have been busy. We can't wait to uh, see you at the ballpark. And uh, you can just send my vests straight to my apartment. That'd be great. (laughs) Will do. Thank you. Hey, a big thanks to all of our guests today. Thank you to Paul Goldschmidt, Paul DeYoung, Carlos Martinez. Thank you also to Daniel Ponce de Leon, Mike Maddox, the legendary Peter Gammons, and Megan Eberhardt from the Cardinals. A big thanks to our executive producer Ben Boyd Thanks to Ann Carroll from the Cardinals Radio Network and Mike Anderson doing a great job as always back in our Cardinals Network studios. Thanks also to Sam Masterson helping us out down here in Jupiter. For Mike Claiborne, I'm Chris Raby. Game start Saturday. In just a couple of days, this weekend, we'll be bringing you baseball right here on the Cardinals Radio Network. And next week, another edition of Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day. Have a great rest of your night, and we'll talk to you for baseball this weekend on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network.
3: Campaign 2020.